Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash W-A-N-T-P-O-W-E-R. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubel, MD, episode number 220. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubel, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to bring you another weight loss success story. You guys have been loving these, eating these up. We get such great feedback on these. And this is actually the last one in the series. It was actually back in the fall that I recorded all of these success stories and decided to spread them out a little bit. And here we are, end of March, finishing up the series. So I had gotten lots of feedback. Hey, we'd love to hear more of those success stories. And I love doing them. They're super fun. I love showcasing my amazing physician clients who are doing the work and getting amazing results. And I know that it helps you to recognize what's possible for you as well. So I love offering these. Now, listen, you have to tell me if you would like more. I have more clients with amazing stories. So I am more than happy to find more people to showcase on the podcast. If you would like to hear more of these episodes and feel free to go to the show notes page for this episode at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash 220-220, episode number for this one. And just let me know if you would like to hear more. I for sure will bring it back at some point, but maybe I'll give it a break. Maybe I won't. I will see. You can let me know what you would like. Okay. So now let me introduce my guest. Her name is Amanda Miles. She is amazing. She is a 
OBGYN in a rural area. Rural is a hard word to say, isn't it? (laughs) She does not live in the suburbs of the city. No, she doesn't. She lives in the country. (laughs) She's adorable. She has the cutest accent. Love it. And she is just such, I mean, I, I feel like I say this about all of my clients, but I just, I love them so much. And it's just so fun to see people just keep coming back and persevering, just like what I teach you all to just keep coming back, asking questions, trying to get clarity, trying to find out more about how they can solve their problems for themselves. And she is just someone who keeps coming back, keeps asking questions. She's not afraid to get a little bit vulnerable if necessary, so that she can actually move through what is holding her back and what she's struggling with so that she can just get through to the other side and create what she wants in her life. So she's going to tell you all about her success, all about her story. She's going to tell you all the things, but she is just a delight. And I can't wait for you to delight in her as well. So please enjoy my conversation with my weight loss success story, Amanda Miles, and I'll check back in with you next week. Also, come and join me tomorrow. We'll hang out tomorrow if you listen to this in real time when it's when it's going live. All right, enjoy Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Katrina. I'm so happy to be here. I'm super excited to talk about your story because I think that some of the things that have happened to you, especially on your path to finding all of this work, I think it, it's some it's some stuff that like people don't talk about, but so many people have experienced. And I think that it's always best when we normalize and realize that everybody's going through the same thing. Like we're not the extra special broken person who needs to be embarrassed and needs to hide. So with that said, <laughs> why don't you give us yeah. a little introduction? <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So my name is Amanda Miles. I'm an MD. I'm an OBGYN that practices in rural Oklahoma. And I uh, joined Waldo or Weight Loss for Doctors Only to mainly address my emotional eating. And that's been kind of a lifelong issue for me. I think even as a kid, I learned from an early age, kind of this Southern act of if something bad happens, you like make a casserole for someone and take right. it to them and then they feel better. So food right. makes it's like, if there's, yes, better. exactly. Yes. It makes uh-huh. you feel better to feed other people and yeah. you know, you feel loved if you're being fed. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Food is love. Yeah. And so I think that that definitely was um, something I learned from an early age probably. And once I, you know, got into college and and even into med school, I definitely tried to make my negative feelings better with food. You know, I would definitely only study in places like Panera or coffee shops, mm. not because of the coffee, but because of the pastries. Um, right. <laughs> and right. so I would, you know, bring candy to study. I would, you know, use food to make myself feel better. And even, even then, you know, I kind of knew that I struggled with my weight off and on. I definitely struggled to maintain my weight for most of my college life and on. Mm -hmm. I was in Weight Watchers in college and there was kind of a set point where I wouldn't let myself go above. And then Mm -hmm. I'd go and, and get on Weight Watchers count points, exercise a lot, and then, you know, get down below it again and then go back to all my old ways. And I was definitely one of the Weight Watchers people that kind of banked my points so I could have something sweet or like a little treat every night. That was like the story of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely abused it. It never really worked like to lose weight. It just helped me get to like my, 
you know, my weight that I felt was like my top, you know, I would maintain. And then once I got into medical school, the stress just kind of increases. I think we all know that. And I think that, you know, my eating habits definitely continued. I had, you know, I used food to cope with every stressor. I would always have little snacks in my pockets. You know, you have the short white coat. I would, Mm -hmm. people would have like books and pens and I would have like sugar (laughs) in one pocket. (laughs) Like I would have snacks. And so it definitely continued. And I I learned in in uh, med school that I, I tried Atkins diet and that actually helped and uh, so you know to to maintain my weight some mm-hmm. I learned that my body responded to being low carb but you know it was just this yo yo of doing low carb and dropping the weight and then going back to eating all the things that are carbs and sugar to make myself feel better and just kind of back and forth back and forth once I got into residency I you know different stressors but. We, we definitely coped with food. And I think I was probably the main one that really encouraged that. Looking back, we would do this thing called GI rounds where after our morning checkout, we would like go tuck in all of our patients and make sure everybody Mm -hmm. was good and like stable. And then we would meet for this code word, you know, we're going to do our GI rounds, you know, that's what we'd say in front of the nurses. So it sounded kind of (laughs) important, but we really meant just go to the cafeteria and eat, eat like a, you know, biscuits and gravy or pancakes or whatever Mm -hmm. and have like a breakfast. And so we would, you know, and we'd have snacks in the afternoon. Like we never missed a meal, I feel like. And then, you know, if something bad happened, we'd order food out just to, Mm. you know, try and make ourselves feel better, or at least I would. And I would encourage others to do that as well, of course. And so just this kind of continuing, like I didn't want to feel any of this negative emotion. I just would be like, oh, it's okay. We'll go get, you know, uh, some snacks and then we'll feel better, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, that's what you knew though, right? You know, it's not like you're like consciously like, ooh, there's a negative emotion. I don't want to feel it. You're just like, this is what we do. Like, this is how you live life. Yeah. 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 That's, that's totally, you know, how I, how I live life. And so then, you know, I graduated, I went into private practice. I was actually basically a solo practitioner in a rural place, which I loved uh, at the time. And it was a great job, but things got a little complicated. I had one kid in residency and then we decided to try for one more and I had twins unexpectedly. The pregnancy was very complicated. I had, you know, I had to be hospitalized and my maternal fetal medicine doctor basically told me, no more work immediately. Mm. Um, and so I, and so when you're a solo practitioner, what did you do? You had to find coverage. Yeah. So I was employed, but so they kind of worked it out like my employers did, but it was very stressful to all my patients because they had to drive an hour to deliver. And oh wow, I had all this guilt about that. And like, it was literally like I had just spent like 16 hours, you know, on my feet. I had some really long operations. And then the next morning I went to see the high risk doc and he's like, you're not going back. I'm putting you in the hospital. And like, I had patients in the hospital, like that oh I just gosh. did surgery on. I, I was like making all these calls. Yeah, It was, it was crazy. And so yeah. life really stopped, I think for me. And of course I felt terrible, like emotionally at this point, yeah. because I've never... I've never taken any time off of, you know, a long gap like that. And so I basically spent three months sitting in a recliner. And this is whenever I really really started listening to your podcast. Oh, okay. Um, And so 
I had it kind of just on repeat. And like, I had like a little notebook. I was taking notes and cause I knew I had to do something yeah. because. So you were just like home and literally like not able, like yeah. just, yeah. Like yeah. just ticking off the days till these babies are cooked. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it was three months. It was three full months wow. of just sitting there in the recliner. I was allowed to move from the bed to the recliner. And, and you had a toddler then at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And oh thankfully she was like in daycare and stuff, but okay. it was, so that it was really hard. Hard. okay. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. like it. Yeah. So, you know, it, we made it through that. I made it through that. We, we got some healthy twins out of it. And then, you know, I, yeah, it was, it really was, it, it was very amazing. And I, I'm so thankful, but, it, but then, you know, I'm nursing twins. And so that was like, you know, that was no joke. A, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, sure. It, yeah. It was, it was so stressful. You're right. Yeah. But it was like an excuse of like, I could eat whatever I want in the name of milk supply. Yeah. And so, you know, all the, all the negative feelings that have been building up for the last three months, I just ate them all. Like I, I would, I, I would have my husband make a sandwich in the middle of the night. Cause I was like, mm, sounds good. Let me have a sandwich. <laughs> I, it was crazy. I, I just kind of kept on this whole, like, eat, 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 all the feelings. Don't feel any of them. So this kind of, you know, all kept building. You know, it seemed like the the negative habits of just feeding my feelings instead just kept building and building. And after after the twins, I was super burnt out after I went back to work. I, so same job, back to being know, on your own. Same job. Okay. Yes. With twins at home. And with twins at home and and be like busy OB practice. Right. So you're like, yeah. Delivering people. Are you taking call all the time? Yeah. Yeah. I got Wednesday nights off and then like two weekends a month, typically off. Okay. But that's still, that's a lot. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a great setup, but it was also a really small town. So whenever I was on call, it didn't mean I would get called every night. Yeah. Uh, sure. But I was up, you know, every two or three hours with the twins. So, I mean, yes. I was up, you know, You're right. right. Um, <laughs> it was, it was a, yeah, it was a rough yeah. time in life. And yeah. So the, the job, I, I became really burnt out and like, I was not happy being an OBGYN anymore. And a lot of it, yeah, was like the home stuff, but a lot of it was just like my thoughts about work. And, you know, kind of the story that I've been telling myself of how they treated me whenever I was on bed rest and how they treated me whenever I came back, you know, I had this. Yeah. this Can you share some of that? Because I think sometimes, you know, we, yeah. when we hear what other people are thinking. We're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. I've had those thoughts too. Yeah. Like, what did you think about it? What was the story you told yourself yeah, about so what happened? I, you know, of course, you know, the day that I went on bed rest, it was, you know, I'm making calls and I'm trying to figure out who's going to see my patients in the hospital to send them home. I think I want to say it ended up being like one of my buddies. that's like a, a internal medicine pediatrician saw one of my my patients mm-hmm. just to send her home. Yeah. And maybe a general surgeon went and saw someone like like just small town goodness, you know, all hands like that kind of we got to. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Which was great. But then like it was kind of this attitude that I had towards admin and, or the administration of my job that, you know, that they weren't doing anything right. They weren't, you know, they were making my patients drive an hour. They were, you know, I had this kind of story of, 
of how they responded to, to me going on bed rest. Obviously they didn't care about me. You know, I'm just a cog in the wheel. I'm just here to make money for them. As soon as I can't make money for them, I mean nothing to them. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a big thought actually I had that I really struggled mm-hmm. with for a long time was that I'm just a moneymaker for them. And mm-hmm. whenever I'm not a value to them, my, you know, my existence is not worth anything to them mm-hmm. or to myself. You right. know, that was a big part of it too, is that, you know, I had valued myself on, I work hard. I produce a lot. I, you know, I, I handle this. I'm the small town doc. I do it all. And then all of a sudden I wasn't that. And I really had to figure out where my self worth was. And I honestly, I don't think I did that until I was in Waldo. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, two years later because this story stuck with me uh, mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it explains why you struggle so, so much, right? Because you tell yourself there was the story a lot so of, much that you, you know what I mean? That, that you, that you start yeah. believing it, like it's true. And I know this to be the case. Like I, I resonate with oh, a yeah. lot of what you're saying. And then before you know it, you're like, this is what they believe yeah. about me. And you think that it's as though they have told you that, or you read yeah. something that said it, even though literally yes. your brain just made it up. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It was. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, looking back, you know, the sleep deprivation probably didn't help the negative <laughs> right. mind drama, but it just, it, it's like, once it was there, it stuck and yeah. there was nothing anybody could do probably to get, you know, nobody else could do anything to get me out of that. And mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't have any coping mechanisms. Yeah. Uh, and you to, thought everyone else was that, that was even, you know, coming from my own. Oh yeah. 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 hundred percent. You know, it's just this administration, it's the, you know, it's the CEO, it's, it's, you know, the, the bigger part of the, you know, the company I work for that's over in the big city, hundred percent. I was, they were the villain and I was the victim and that was huge. That was huge. So, so after, you know, a few months back of work, you know, I got back into practicing OB and being up all night and, there were some there were some kind of changes in the hospital where I had been working that were that probably weren't ideal and so meaning like nurse staffing and just mm-hmm. just administrative stuff that happens in hospitals and I kind of hit a limit there and I kind of rather quickly quit my job and took another job that had been recruiting me you know, months prior. And I'd said, no, I'm not interested in a new job. I got, I've got my dream job. And so kind of fairly quickly, I kind of boiled over almost with mm. emotions of being fed up and being burnt out. And it's kind of like, you know, all these emotions I've been tamping down kind of uh, exploded or boiled over. And so I quit my job. I took a new job and thinking, you know, you take a new job and you think, oh, it's like the, you know, grass is greener. Everything's better it's going to be perfect. You know, I've got partners now I have less call. It's going to be so great. And you know, it it was, I think, but at the same time, all the thoughts that I was having about work and the everyday, you know, business as an OBGYN followed me because I, I never worked on them. You know, I just took them with me to my new job. And so, you know, a year into my new job, I was feeling burnt out still. And I'm like, why, Mm -hmm. you know, why is this like this? What's the point of all this? You know? And a year into my new job, 
I found myself in Dallas, like many OBGYNs do for their oral boards. And I kind of had a, another tipping point. So I just completed my oral boards and I went back to the hotel They kind of drop you back off at this hotel. And I was so stressed and so overwhelmed that I ate everything in the hotel room. I <laughs> like out of the um, mini bar, anything? like all the snacks and stuff yeah. that they have. Yeah. 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 I don't know how much that cost me. It probably cost me a lot of money. <laughs> Uh, like 150 bucks but in cashes probably <laughs> yeah exactly and like I'd gone to like Walgreens or somewhere and loaded up like before because that's what I do whenever I study right I had all these right. snacks already already everywhere I've been snacking on them for three days you know yeah. and so I ate it all all at once and I like basically found myself questioning life from the floor of a hotel bathroom like laying there super sick like I've never been like to that point where I ate so much that I was sick and just thinking to myself, Katrina, that this is what drug users do. Like this is what a heroin addict does. They like use and use and use. And then they find themselves laying in a hotel bathroom. (laughs) The irony was not lost on you, right? (laughs) No. And it's not like I'm a, I'm not a food addict. Like I don't identify as that. Like, It's just that I don't have any coping mechanisms, just like a drug user. You know, my brain likes the dopamine that does come from food. And I had zero coping mechanisms. And so there I was just like, that was about six weeks before I started Waldo. I had already signed up because I knew that I needed something to address things. And I said, I'm going to sign up for Waldo as as a reward for getting through my oral boards. And then, so then I, um, you know, six weeks before I find myself uh, in this hotel, just like at rock bottom. <laughs> that, that's so, so fascinating, that, right? So you already knew, like, I need this help. And then it was just like, yeah. isn't that so cool, though, that like, you already you weren't like, oh, my gosh, and now I got to figure out what to do. You're like, well, yeah. if there ever was more evidence needed yeah. that I need to do that, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I haven't told very many people about that. Like I, I'm telling you about this and now I guess the world, but, (laughs) um, but this is what I'm talking about is like, like this idea, like, you know, you're not the only person who's ever out of stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety and overwhelm and all of that just binged, you know, to the point of feeling physically ill, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just like, this is what happens to people when they are pushed so far without any skills to deal with it. That's that's all you're describing. It's not like something's wrong with yeah. you or there's something to be embarrassed no, about. Yeah. It's just like, this is just what yeah. ends up happening when you, you know, yeah. you train a bunch of doctors and they're in yeah. a very stressful environment and they aren't given any kind of help whatsoever otherwise to deal with, with life. Yeah. 100%. Like looking back, I don't know honestly, I don't know how I maintained my weight like I did. Like, I'm really actually surprised, Mm. which I mean, I guess I'm thankful for that. You know, so, so basically, you know, at that point, you know, I knew I had to make a change. I was sitting at, I think 155 pounds at that point. And I'm, I'm kind of short. I'm five, three. I don't know if that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's helpful because Um, because that weight's great. So, you know, if you're a lot taller. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 155 pounds of your six foot is like, nothing. So I'm five, three. So that like on me, that's, that was a lot of weight and that was my highest weight ever. And I could feel it like in my, my joints, my knees, my hips, I knew I had to do something. And so 
I got the, you know, whenever you enroll for Waldo, there's kind of a, a list of things to start studying or doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I watched the, right. I listened to the obesity code, I guess is what I did. Mm-hmm. I listened to it mm-hmm. in the truck, um, on my way to work and I started, you know, getting rid of flour and sugar. And so I, I lost probably like 15 pounds leading up to Waldo in the six weeks leading up to just wow. doing what you I knew like, you were going to Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like a changed woman. I was like, I'm not messing around. You know, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I we're not repeating the hotel room floor (laughs) bathroom floor episode again yes (laughs) yeah we're not we're not going there so the only way way to go is up and so you know once I started Waldo the food part was pretty easy for me because my body responds to no flour no sugar and so I really which can we just pause for one second to just say that Mm -hmm. people often think that that means super low carb or keto yeah. And that is not what we're it talking about. Like you can no. totally eat carbohydrates. You're just not eating them in the form yeah. of flour and sugar. So I just want to mm-hmm. be clear about that because that's a common yeah. misconception. Like I'm always like, listen, I ate so much rice and potatoes when yes. I lost weight. Like this is not, yeah. really, I mean, if that's something you want to do, you can do that if you like that, but yeah. that's not what we're necessarily saying. So, okay, please continue. Totally. And way more carbs than I ever had on Atkins. Mm-hmm. I mean, way. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, yeah. Not that I counted, but, you know, just getting rid of the things that really, you know, peaks the dopamine in my brain. So, yeah. So I I dropped another 15 pretty quickly in the first few months of Waldo. And then it took me several months probably before one of your coaches kind of called me out on why I hadn't reached my goal weight. And I'd only been, you know, five pounds from goal weight. and, And she said, well, obviously you're still using food to buffer your emotions or cover up your emotions and just getting kind of called out. It was like, Oh yeah, I guess I am. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> you know, just kind of calling out myself again and, and really working on feeling my feelings instead of pushing them down. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had actually would schedule time on my calendar and, and like five minutes, like today, um, right as soon as I get home for five minutes, you set a timer and you're going to feel your feelings on purpose from the day mm-hmm. and whatever, if they're good or if they're bad, whatever, you're just going to practice feeling them and acknowledging them. And so after that, after I learned, you know, really worked on feeling my feelings, I quickly, very quickly dropped the last mm-hmm. five pounds. And so, so like you talk uh, about that though, like it was just like so easy like, oh, and then I just oh, decided yeah. to feel my feelings and then, you know, <laughs> I lost, I got to go away. So let's just talk about right. that. Let's just no. unpack that yeah. a little bit. Like what was yeah, your let's... experience of feeling feelings up until that point? Mm. Were you anxious about it? Were you afraid? Did you feel confused yeah. about what to do? I was very afraid to feel any feelings. I had, you know, been doing the the work and the modules, which you know, make you acknowledge your feelings, but actually sitting and processing an emotion in a way where I'm feeling it in my body and I'm like going to that place, you know, so I would actually practice by thinking about all of the bad things. Yeah. Like worst case scenario things. And that I, that I'm scared of or whatever, you know, I don't even know how to describe it that, you know, practicing thinking about something really bad to trigger that emotion Mm -hmm. and just sit with it and know that, like, look, I survived. I'm, I'm okay. I did it. 
And the point of that is to mm-hmm. build up that confidence that I can feel these emotions. Yeah. So when they do come yeah. up organically, you're not just mm-hmm. hitting the easy button immediately, which is like that habit that you've had for so yeah. long of just like, I just have to eat something because now is not the time to be learning how to feel this, right? It's like you're becoming an expert in feeling the emotion sort of ahead of time. And I do have to say that I've often thought, I mean, there are ups and downs with, you know, every medical specialty for sure. I think Mm -hmm. some maybe a bit more than others. I think, you know, there's, there's more ups and downs, like I said, in some more than others. And I would say that OBGYN is one of the ones where I think there's a lot of compartmentalization of emotions that you have to do, which is important. You have to be able to do it or you will have trouble maintaining a professional, you know, kind of demeanor and relationship Mm -hmm. with your, with your patients. But there's a lot of really sad and not desirable things (laughs) that, that happen when you're taking care of women and, you know, unborn babies and, you know, learning how to stuff that is important to be able to keep moving on. But then, then this is the part they don't teach you, right? How to actually process that. You can't just keep stuffing that forever. Well, I mean, I just said, I know so many of you guys have just talked about like these horrific stories of like terrible things that have, you know, that happen. And, you know, not everybody goes through all of them, but like things like it's burned in your brain. Like you will never forget that. Like, it's literally like a trauma. And then no support mm-hmm. on the other end mm-hmm. on how to deal with that. Did you spend some time yeah. working on things like that too? Yes. I actually, and whenever I say I scheduled time to feel my feelings, I actually had several cases that had been with me for a long time that I went back and thought about on purpose yeah. to really process that yeah. grief. And I'm, I mean, I'm even like, look at me, I'm feeling some emotions right now. Like I'm yeah. good at it now. Yeah, um, you are. Thinking about You're it, so you know, good at it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's okay. It's just tears in, in my it's eyes so and all that, right? Yeah. I'm okay with it. I, I went to those places, you know, I would pull into my house and before I go in, I would set the timer for five minutes and I'd think about mom who lost a baby or, you know, terrible traumatic yeah. event as a surgeon or you know, just complications that we have whenever it's bad, it's really bad. And just processing my grief. And I, you know, um, like you said, you know, in all your podcasts about grief, you know, it it finds you, it waits for you, you know? So I took some time to really process some of those really big cases like that. And Mm -hmm. I cried, I just sit in my truck and cry and feel it. And then, you know, allow my body to, to process it. Um, Instead of keeping it stuffed down inside. Yeah. I was just listening to this podcast where people were talking about how like emotions have a beginning, middle and end. And like what Mm -hmm. we try to do is we try to halt it in the middle and think that, that that's okay. And there won't be any repercussion from that. And it really isn't like, and there's things that you can do to end it, to like complete that Mm -hmm. circle. And so it's processed and be done. And it is kind of like a big ask, right? You're like, okay. I forgot, not forgotten, but you know what I mean? I'm not actively thinking about the thing yeah. that's really painful to feel right now. And and now I'm going to like ask myself to go to that place, feel bad, you know, cry, whatever, you know, like, or, you know, for some people it's like rage and anger, you know, like to get to yeah. that place. Some people feel like if I go there, I'm going to be out of control. You know, it's like, it, it's, it is, you have to have some buy-in on like this. Mm-hmm. I can't skip this part. And I think that's what you had where you were like, okay, I see that, that this is the part I haven't done. 
And if I really mm-hmm. want to get to my goal weight, I've got to figure this out. And then that's yeah. exactly what happened. Right. And it's yeah. like, it's not like, oh, you learn how to feel your emotions and then like oh, magically yeah. you eat differently. I mean, also no. you may not like eat overeat a little bit. It's like, it's like when you, I swear as protection, our bodies will hang on to the fat right? We're like mm-hmm. in this state of like emotional threat at all times. Cause we won't process it all. You know, yeah. when you learned how to close that loop and let it all off the body's like, okay, I'm safe now. Mm-hmm. I don't need this. I don't need this anymore. This yeah, extra fat. High stress, you know, yeah. Run back to the cave to save myself, you know, mindset. Right. Totally. And I think that's, that's key, you know, and, and really focusing on setting myself up for success for that, you know, whenever I was doing that, I would, you know, kind of give myself a pep talk, like, look, I'm at my house, I'm sitting in the driveway, we're gonna do this for five minutes, and you get to go home, go in and play with your kids, like nothing bad Mm -hmm. has happened right now. Yeah, it's all good. Nothing bad is happening. So let's, let's go there. Let's dig in. Like you're safe to feel this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so good. So good. How did you convince, like, did you have days where you were like, you know what, not today. I'll just do it tomorrow. Did you have days like that? Yeah, of course. I know I would. I think we all do. <laughs> yeah, I think like, we all do. Wait, now it's been a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'd I'd pick something that wasn't hard for me to feel, mm-hmm. and I'd you know, yeah, um, which is totally okay. It doesn't have to be so yeah. hard and intense every single time. Yeah, yeah. No. Like today, I you know I'm gonna practice feeling what anxiety feels like in my body, you know, instead Mm -hmm. of grief or, you know, fear or or shame. Shame was a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. So then as you were doing all of this work, because burnout had been such an issue, right? So you're like working on your brain, you're working on your body, but at the same time, working on your whole perspective and experience of your new now job, right? Where you have the support and you take less call and all of that. Yes. So let's talk about that some. Yeah. So I really had to, I guess, kind of retrain my brain on how to think about work. Honestly, I was in this new place. Things were completely different and I was still having the same, you know, burnout stuff where I was like emotionally exhausted. And I, I was kind of frustrated with patients and like Mm -hmm. questioning, why am I doing this? What's the point? You know, Mm -hmm. it's all because of everything that I just brought with me, all my thoughts. Yeah. And And so really, I think getting it down to the nitty gritty of like what I think someone, I don't know if it was you or if it was one of your other coaches that had me make a list of like where I could find the fun in my job. Like, where can you find the fun again? You know, you used to Mm -hmm. like this. You used to love Mm -hmm. your job. How can you find the fun? And trying to really focus on on the good. I know that sounds very, you know, oh, I just sounds like simplistic, it, you know, right? It sounds, like an, it, it sounds very really easy, hard. but it was hard. Right. Yeah. When yeah. your brain is like, there's yeah. no good here. You got to really start searching. Yeah. 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 And it, it started off with like, you know, like little stuff like, well, you know, I have a parking spot has it's assigned <laughs> to me, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. stuff. Yeah. I would just make a list and you know, I, I would, would just make a list and try and focus on something small and then, you know, really, really trying to figure out what parts of my, my job were a story and what was actually real because my brain is real good at the drama, the negative Mm -hmm. drama of, 
everything sucks and it's not okay. And, and this yeah. isn't how it should be. And, and so really examining, is that true? You know? Uh, and so just really working on some of that. And, and I was very big into blaming others for my issues. You know, my mm-hmm. kind of, my mindset is, well, it's because they're doing this or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I had to work a lot on taking responsibility of my own thoughts um, and my own emotions. And that do you think that that's work. that I think though that I mean, that might have been just kind of like, maybe more of an easier tendency for you just like baseline. But when I think yeah. about like being a medical student, and yeah. even like being on, you know, on a team where people were in general, like it was pretty fun. I mean, it's not like I, I remember mm-hmm. it as like, you know, they were somewhere was like, whoa, that was toxic. And like everyone had, yeah. you know, everyone was like in a really sure. bad place. Like not even that. But just the way that we learn to think about what we do and what's done, right? Like that the ER Mm -hmm. is punishing us, you know, or like just like things like that, right? It's so filled with blame and Mm -hmm. not taking any kind of ownership for your experience at all. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. like your, your brain was just like, either it was trained to do that or is just, you know, further reinforcing for you. Like, this is what we do. We just like anything that bad that's happening. It's certainly because of some other person's, it's some other person's fault. And like, even, even Um, amongst doctors, right? Like blaming, you know, blaming the nurses or blaming whatever ancillary staff or like, you know, lab doesn't come up fast enough or like whatever it is, right. You know, radiology Mm -hmm. is late today or whatever it is. It's like, there's always this idea that it's someone else's fault we can't possibly mm-hmm. be the ones who have the problem. And, and that's just how your brain will filter everything, right? Like it won't, it won't be oh, like, yeah. oh, but in this case, actually, I think it might be you. Like that's not going to come without mm-hmm. some actual effort to, to look yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. A, a big thing in whenever I joined the new practice, a word that was kind of tossed around a lot, not just by me, but by, you know, some of the other group members was, oh, well, so-and-so doc dumped this on me. And yeah. so that was kind of the attitude of getting a dump or getting someone mm-hmm. dumping something on you. Totally. And so it- Or like some crap consult or something like that, right? You know, yeah, like always yeah. being upset that like so-and-so is mm-hmm. doing what they shouldn't be doing or they're not taking responsibility for their patient or things like that. Yeah. 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 And being really so judging about how other people practice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. So how did, did you just like really gradually unravel that? Or like, were you just totally working on awareness of like, there's another one, there's another one? Yeah. So early on in Waldo, I committed to every time I was on call, this is what I was going to focus on. Because part of my burnout too, was that I was so miserable whenever I was on call. I hated it. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I, I had felt so sorry for myself for being on call. And so whenever I was on call, which is about once a week and then one weekend, probably every, every month or every other month, I would just solely, if I had any free time, dedicate it to working on specifically my job. And so I would, yeah, I would start with, I did, I worked on the relationship that I have between me and my staff, me and my other doctors, me and my patients was also a big Mm -hmm. one, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, evaluating whether I'm showing up how I, how I want to be, you know, am I, am I the doctor that, that I want to be, what, you know, and so defining what's a good doctor and am I being that person? And also, you know, kind of defining 
what practicing medicine, you know, what, what a good doctor does, you know, how they practice good medicine. And so, you know, we always think, oh, well, they're not a good doctor, but, you know, whenever we define what is a good doctor, you know, it doesn't include the details of, well, they don't give me a consult, you know, or something. Right. (laughs) Right. That's not part of it. You know, we Mm -hmm. can all be Mm -hmm. good doctors and support each other without, you know, having to cut each other down or judge each other. Well, we can give each other the benefit of the doubt, right? Like this person's giving me this consult at, you know, 502 Mm -hmm. on a Friday because they legitimately yeah. need help. Like that's exactly. you know, like this this patient's going to be in better hands with me over the weekend than, you know, with mm-hmm. with them or something like that. And it's just not natural yeah. and it's not part of the culture. Like you don't see, you know, very many other doctors you know, being the role model of that viewpoint, like they might just take it and not complain. I'm sure there are people who totally have that viewpoint, but they aren't like outwardly going, you know what? no sense in getting upset about this happily take it on at five o'clock you know (laughs) exactly that's 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 not what you're seeing so it really is it's kind of like you know you're like swimming upstream right the current is like Mm -hmm. oh let's just be mad about this let's just all complain and sit together and eat cake while we complain or cookies or candy or whatever the the nurse's station you know like and you're going no actually I'm not going to do that I've got to think of like a whole new perspective a whole new story around this yeah yeah Yeah, that's exactly and so Mm -hmm. what's your experience now of working having done that so my experience is much better I love my job again. I'm excited to go deliver babies again. For a long time, I was not. I enjoy working with all of my partners. And that was something that I really had to to work on too. You know, I came into this group as kind of an outsider and joined this group and and kind of had an attitude of, you know, I don't fit in and that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so working on that and yeah, giving everybody the benefit of the doubt and and just knowing that we're all doing the best we can. And I don't hate call anymore. I actually look Wait, I'm sorry. Come calls. again? What was that? I know. <laughs> Say it louder for those in the back. I don't hate call. Um, I'm excited about it. Usually like the weekend call, I have like a little, this sounds weird, but I have like a little tote that is my call box. And so I have like little projects and I'm kind of an arts and crafts geek, I guess. And so I'm into some scrapbooking and little art projects and stuff like that. And so that's like my call box. I only get to do those fun things whenever Mm. I'm on call. Yeah. And I always have a book in there. I always have like some special, like some special body wash, you know, like just like little creature comforts that are only, you know, they, I look forward to doing those things whenever I'm on call. And that way Mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, sitting there just binging Netflix for 72 hours right. on the weekend <laughs> right. um, and eating snacks yeah. and feel sorry for myself. <laughs> well, and that's such so, a, that um, is self-care right it's, there, right? It's that's my like, life. Yeah. It's like respecting yourself yeah. enough and loving yourself so much that you're like, yeah, like, is this my first choice of what to do? No, I'm sure if, you know, given the option, yeah. you'd be like, I'll never take call. But if I have to take call, I can exactly. totally make it a good, <laughs> a good experience for myself. Right. It's just like, I get to yeah. do these fun things and I get to treat myself mm-hmm. really nice. And it's actually yeah. a really nice experience for me because you've decided to create that experience for yourself. Like that, you know, that box yes. doesn't just get made. It doesn't get like dropped off on your doorstep. Yeah. just like, here you go. No. Like, here's how you have fun on call or have a nice time on call, right? Exactly. Like you've got to figure that out for yourself. You got to try out different yeah. things. 
and see what's going to yeah. work. And it, it took a lot of a, a long time, you know, to figure out that I could have a good time on call. Um, yeah. I could think about it as, hey, look, we're going to make some money tonight. You know, like, <laughs> right. I've got four people in labor. Like, that. yeah, no, right. like it's kind of exciting, you know. So so just kind of changing some of that mindset of of where's the fun and um, finding that and also taking better care of myself as far as sleep goes too on call. You know, I try and make it, make it a point to really try and force myself or like, you know, do some meditation or something before bed to get myself sleepy, to go to bed early whenever I'm on call. Yeah. So I'll be, you know, trying to go to bed at like eight or nine usually because I know I'm going to get called and be up. And right. so just right. making that kind of priority number one is mm-hmm. has been a game changer as well. Yeah. And then there's, then, you know, even if, you know, you get three or four hours, you know, until you, uh, you know, are up the rest of the night, at least you have that, that makes it so you have less like recovery afterward, right? It's less of a hit to you. Like you can bounce back faster Mm -hmm. and quicker. Yeah. 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 And I'm I'm so much more likely to have a better outlook if I have sleep because, you know, before I would just like sit up there and just like binge watch something on Netflix I'd stay up late knowing that I'm probably going to get called around midnight. And then, mm-hmm. you know, then the calls start coming in and I haven't right. gotten any sleep that I've literally yeah. been up all night. Right. 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 So, exactly. Just a vicious exactly. cycle. And I, I think that just, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think it has to get harder as you get older, but I think that's the experience that a lot of people have that they just, their bodies are like yeah. less um, agreeable, you know, about like skipping a whole night's yeah. sleep, you know, every, however many yeah. days. Yeah. It, yeah, it takes longer incredible. to recover with each year. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how about at home too? Like I know you did a ton of work mm-hmm. on all of that. What can you share about yeah. that experience? Yeah. So a lot of my work at home, you know, so I did a lot of work early on with my relationships with my kids after, after I think the, the kind of complicated twin pregnancy and all the drama that went into that. And then the first year of having twins is not fun. I don't, <laughs> yes. I don't you know, tell anybody that it's a the good time. The only thing that's, that's worse sure. is having triplets. <laughs> exactly. Like that. at least I had two hands and yeah, yeah two boobs. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It definitely was not a, a great relationship, honestly. I, I struggled to feel connected and, um, you know, feel like I was being a good mom. And so I, and of course, you know, I think a lot of us suffer from mom guilt. I don't, oh, I don't know if that's, that's just like, standard issue. I think it's standard um, issue. <laughs> I yeah, think it's just, yeah. well, because I think we've just, you know, we've just been like socialized and grown up with this idea that we must be doing something wrong, right? Like there's something yes. wrong with us, something wrong with our bodies. We're not smart enough. We're not something enough. And so it's logical yeah. that we become mothers. And then we are like, well, certainly I'm doing a crap job at this as well. And then let me show yeah. myself all the ways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. hundred percent. And that, the kind of struggle that I found myself was I can't be a good mom and a good doctor at the same time. Yeah. So many people struggle with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm at work, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a bad job at home when I'm at home, I'm not a good doctor. Yeah. 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 So, and so that tell us how you work through that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. So I think just going back to, I think I had a coaching call with you where you had me define you know, what's a good mom and, and going back to just breaking it down. What's a good mom. 
you know, what's a good doctor? And, you know, it's very basic, you know, making a very basic definition allows yourself to fit into both definitions, you know, allowing yourself to be both. Well, because that's what, when we're like, I'm doing a bad job, what we're saying is like, I should be able to do both jobs, you know, as in, in one, in 24 hours a day, as well as someone who devotes their full 24 hours a day to that, to each one, right? Like, like, you know, all they have is doctoring and all they have is, is being at home and we should be doing both well enough. And then we should be happy Mm -hmm. about it on top of that. Like, I, I remember just being like, okay, you know, people are like, oh, well, you have this day off. I'm like, yeah. well, right. But I'm also running an entire household during that time. It's not like, and I've got kids at home. I don't even have childcare on my day off. So I'm like trying to do all of this, trying to have fun with the kids, trying to, you know, yeah. like do an arts and crafts project. And when it was a mess and being like so mad mm-hmm. that I had a mess to clean up, you know, it was so hard. So I think what it is, it's yes. once again, it's like that story that we tell ourselves of like, this is quote unquote, the good mom way or whatever, like that things should be done. And then just like, this is just the story that we tell, like, see, like if I were a better mom, I'd be doing these other things. Yeah. And I think it's also some, uh, sometimes like the way we relate mm-hmm. with one another, right. It's just like how self-deprecating we can be, but also like, Oh, you know, mom of the year award over here. I just yeah. did this, you know, whatever crap thing or missed whatever, you know, we kind of do that as a way to try to connect with one another, but it again, perpetuates that thinking of like, I'm not enough. I'm falling down on the job. My kids, you know, deserve to have someone better than me and my patients deserve to have someone better than me. And it just makes us feel like yeah. total crap the whole time. So when we really do that work, like you were describing, like, so mm-hmm. what do I think a good mom does? Like, let's just get really clear. Yeah. Like, what does that even mean? We don't even know what we're saying when we're saying it. And then we figure it out. And we're like, well, if we get to just define it, because there's no like good mom police out there, then why not define it in a way that makes it so that we can fit in to that definition? Right. Exactly. It doesn't help you to be a better mom to feel bad about how you are as a mother. Like yes. you aren't doing a better yeah. job, right? When you think that no, way. No, it doesn't it doesn't serve you at all. At no. all. No, no, no. So you did all that and you looked at it and you're like, okay, this is the new way. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. it took time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time to to feel like I had a balance between you know, good doc and good mom. And Mm -hmm. I think really just allowing myself to know that being present and doing the best I can with what I have in either, you know, the doctor hat or the mom hat is, is what is good, you know? And so just defining that and allowing myself to be good Mm -hmm. as I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. So good. Yeah. So what other takeaways? I mean, first of all, you, what'd you say you, you weigh less than you did on your wedding day when you were working out two hours a a day? (laughs) Yeah, totally. So I went from 155 to 120 and that's, yeah, at least five or six pounds lower than whenever I got married and I got married really young. So I think I was 19 or 20. (laughs) I'd have to count. Really? really? Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was, I married my high school sweetheart while I was in college. And, um, and so like, that was probably like one of my skinniest times. And so I'm, I haven't weighed this, this weight since I was probably 16, honestly. Wow. So, wow. um, and it's, you know, that's parts great. Uh, the maintaining is a little, a little harder than I think most people think it'll be, but, hmm. um, 
it's it's well, a learning process we, of its own. We really just think that like then we're just going to be coasting, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you're just done. <laughs> no, but like that's there is true. there is like sorting out of yourself and maintenance, right? Like yeah. there's just figuring out what is like if I'm not getting all this positive reinforcement from the scale, then yeah. like why do I keep doing this and how do I stay consistent with that? And then just knowing too that like your body's going to change or certain things are going to whatever you know, mm-hmm. like maybe what felt good to you or a certain way of eating was great and it's not feeling that way anymore, and you got to be willing to you know shift it up, mix it up. I was just talking to a friend and she was saying, she's like, I just don't want to have to think about food. And I was like, no, but here's the thing though. What you really, it's not that you don't want to have to think about food. You want to not have chatter around food. You don't want to have your thoughts consumed around food. But I was like telling her, I was like, I don't think that there's any woman who's 40 and up who like, you know, and like has a normal weight who doesn't at least think about it, right? Like those days are yeah. over once you're that age where you're just like, yeah. just like what? exactly. whatever comes under your nose, like just eat it, no big deal, you know? Yeah. So, so it's like, you know, and I think coming to terms with, this is something I'm going to have to pay attention to ongoing, but I don't mm-hmm. have to let it become something that takes me over and is all consuming yeah. or something that is takes up more brain space than I want it to. I think that's the difference and finding that nuanced place for yourself. Exactly. I mean, planning, planning my food and, and the amount of energy I have to put into it is kind of like brushing my teeth, you know, like I mean, part of your day, I don't put any drama into it. It's just something I do. And yeah, I love it. It's so, so so good. Yeah. 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 So we could say that, you know, doing this work has changed your life. (laughs) Every (laughs) aspect of it. It, I can't even like, you know, I thought, oh, well, I just need to work on this emotional eating. That's, you know, I knew that that was an issue and it was a big issue. It was, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like probably, you know, the, the effect that had on the rest of my life was way more than the emotional eating. I mean, giving myself the tools to deal with my emotions was really key, I think. And it, it changed all aspects of my life, all aspects, a hundred percent. And yeah, it's been amazing. So that's so totally cool. worth so the money. Totally worth it, right? I mean, because you know what's funny? Yeah. It's like what you know, it's like how can you even put a dollar figure on yeah. like total life satisfaction and fulfillment? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. you cannot. It's yeah. just like when people like you can't put a dollar amount on your physical health, you know? It's like once you're yeah. sick, you realize like I would pay so much money to be well. Like we don't even yeah. realize mentally how much we're struggling and how much better it can become, you know? And then when you're on the other side of it or like, you know, you're coming around, you start realizing you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a pittance to pay for how much better Mm -hmm. things are. Right. For sure. It's amazing. It's amazing. It is so amazing. So, so what would you tell someone who's like on the fence? Who's like, I don't know. I don't know if I should do it. I don't know if I really need this. What would you say? Yeah. I would say you need it. It is because pretty much everyone needs it, right? I think we yes. I think everybody needs a life coach. I think I've told all my friends like I didn't know life coaches were a thing until I found your podcast, and then I just thought that you were like a life coach that the doctors use. Like I didn't know that there's different types, and I just thought Oprah and people (laughs) like that. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) And now I'm like everybody needs one. Everybody needs a life coach. Yeah. And this work, I don't know why we aren't 
all taught this. Like it's, I know. Well, this is what we need though. Seriously, we need, we need it. It's like, you've got to change it from the inside out, like the culture and all of this. I mean, I think we, I mean, obviously like in childhood, we need to know this stuff. So the better we understand it, the more we can, you know, start teaching our kids and things like that. But like, Mm -hmm. even in terms of curriculum, you know, inside of schools, like, wouldn't that be amazing? And then just thinking about like how we just even from like the pre-med standpoint, you know, like how many Mm -hmm. of these students are thinking like, if I could just get into med school, right? Like then I'm golden, like then my life will be so great. And then, right. And it's just like the constant chasing of the happiness, right? We've all Mm -hmm. done this. And then we get to attending life and we're very disappointed. Most of us Uh, uh. dramatically in debt, you know, and given, you know, a, a decade of our lives away. And we're like, wait, what just happened? And why am I not happier? <laughs> like, you know, this should exactly. be better than it is. is it? Like, we all need to know this stuff. Like, and we, it yeah. needs to be coming from, from early, early on. Like, you know, that we need, we need the students to know this stuff. So we need them thinking about this as they're deciding which specialties to go into. We need residents to know this. So like, I mean, yeah. you've got to think about like, what are even as interns, we're leaders, we're leading these medical students. We don't know what we're doing. And we're like, hey, hey, I have this huge tote bag full of terrible thoughts and I'm just going to pass them down to you. Yeah. So if you could carry this for me, that'd be amazing. And then we just keep all the bad the things. Thing. Yes. All mm-hmm. the bad things, all the terrible yes. things to think about everything. Negative. And we're like, oh, okay, this is how we think about it. And it, I just think yeah. that that oh, it yeah. needs to, it's it's like, I always say, I'm like, you know, the, the, the medical industry, right. As a whole medical community, it's like a cruise ship. It's not a speedboat. We can't turn this thing probably that quick, but like, if we all keep moving, it's like, oh my gosh, is it, is it finding Nemo where, where like the, the fishes like all like swim down, like they tell all the fish to swim down in the net. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, that's what we yes, have to do. We net. have to just be like, exactly. all of us, women physicians are learning this stuff. Just be like, no, like we are moving this way. Everybody like this is happening. We are shifting this, this culture. Way. There's just, there's continuing on with the way it has been is it's not sustainable. And there's too many doctors that are leaving medicine, you know, I mean, sadly committing suicide, right? Like, I mean, just leave it just like, or in it and don't want to be right. Like, which is also terrible, you know, when you, when you feel stuck and of course it's not great for, for the care that patients receive either. So, so yeah, I'm like, the more, yeah, the more that we are like champions of this and spread the news far and wide to everybody, the more it's like, it's like a movement, right? We're, we're like, yes. we're working on it. We're, we're going to get yeah. it there. I just keep thinking at the end of our careers, right? Like how different will it be? I'm sure very different. And I can't wait to see, cause I know it's going to be so much better. It can't not be so yeah. much better. It just has to it's be. It's going to be a lot better. Yeah. It has to be. It has to yeah. be. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your whole yeah. story and, and all of it, because we talked about some, like mm-hmm. some deep stuff here. And I think a lot of people would be like, I don't yeah. know if I want to share that, but seriously, I know that everybody <laughs> listening is going to appreciate it so much because like, yeah. I, well, I will just tell you, you know, I started this podcast and I told people on this podcast things that literally like, a, you know, my husband knew and like maybe a couple other people in my life. And I'm like, hi, I guess I'm just going to tell the whole world. But I'm telling you that mm-hmm. willingness to do that is what has allowed, you know, I think people to feel like they can trust me to like work with them because, right. So it's like, we have to be like, listen, mm-hmm. this is what's happening for me. And if it's happening for you too, like you're a normal human, you're not broken. 
there's nothing wrong with you, but there is a way out of this. So I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing all that. Of course. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Amanda. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? For lots of free help, go to katrinaubelmd.com and click on free resources. Thank you.